Hello and welcome to another episode of the Marketing Automation Discussion. Here we talk to industry and discipline experts about real techniques and practices for automating your marketing. Today we're talking to Sam Ovet, part of Father and Son Team at Mobile Pocket Office, an agency dedicated to helping people leverage technology for their business and marketing processes. Sam's going to take us through four steps for automating your marketing processes, how to keep them organized, and how to choose the right tools for your tech stack. And of course, much more. If you're looking for hands-on, practical techniques to employ in your marketing automation, this episode is for you. Hey, Sam, welcome to the podcast. Excited to be here. Thanks for inviting us. Cool. So as usual, uh, do you mind giving everyone a little bit of an intro to yourself? You know, what's your background, especially with marketing automation? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So my name's uh, Sam, as, as everybody knows, and then I run a firm called Mobile Pocket Office with my dad. And uh, he came from the background for years of business analytics and business process. And so I came in, and it was about seven years ago now that we started the Mobile Pocket Office arm of the firm and took the idea of business process engineering and started applying it to marketing automation. So we went from really the business analytics piece to really focusing on using business process engineering in the marketing automation space. Gotcha. So before the recording, we were talking a little bit about your agency's background with business process engineering and how we can apply that to automation. Do you mind explaining that a little bit for people listening who might not be so familiar with the term? At its core, basically what it is, is a way for organizations to study and take their current processes and develop new methods that help them basically do three things, be more productive, be more efficient and reduce operational costs. Right. So for listeners, which industries or sectors are going to get the most out of it? Anybody who's creating a customer experience for someone and continually doing the same things again and again, and I'll kind of qualify that. There's one more thing is people who are, or companies that are using a lot of humans and human resources to accomplish that. Okay. So where do we start with applying these principles? How do we think about it? So what you do is you take it and you think about it in three levels. First, what are the systems we do? And marketing is one of the functions of a business system, right? There's everything after marketing that takes place to run the business, selling, fulfilling, counting, all of those pieces. So that's one piece. And then you take the processes that are part of marketing. And then from there, you look at what can you automate? And then the process to find out what exactly are you spending your time on, on the marketing, and also how do you decide what to automate? Okay, so we have a few moving pieces here. When it comes to the system stage, what tools or techniques are you using to really analyze this? The systems one is actually the easiest. This doesn't require any special tools. This just requires simply a place to write down how your business generally runs. That's going to be pretty straightforward. Okay, we market to get leads. 
and then you're handing those leads off to sales. Maybe you're closing some of the deals and then somebody's fulfilling or if it's a, if you're a SaaS company that's being automatically fulfilled and behind the scenes is the engineering team actually building the product. And then you have everything that's related to trying to delight that customer and then running the actual business organization, like accounting and all the pieces that go into managing a team. Right. So you're mainly just conceptualizing it so that you can, you know, analyze a particular area in a bit more detail. Is that right? That's right. So you go, okay, what are the systems? Then you go into process. So when we get into the process stage, this is where we go from big general components to more detail. And we start to really get into the meat of things. And the way that works is you want to find out what is it that people on the team within that system are actually spending their time on. And the way you do that is through, we use a uh, acronym that's actually pretty basic called PAL, a personal activity log. And you have everybody on the team write down for a two-day period all the things that they spent their time on. Like in painstaking detail, this isn't to judge people. That gives you an idea of, well, we spend a lot of time on X, 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 and X, right? What can we automate? So the third step is where, where you really take it and turn it into automation, right? And so this is what, what we use the tool called the process creator worksheet. And what you're trying to understand here is, and document is, okay, we've identified the process. Now, how do we actually carry out the process and all the variations of the process? And so you're trying to find out where do you hand it off from one person to another person, or where do you move it into a folder or where do you uh, add a tag in a system. Basically, what are all the step-by-step -step processes to make it work? And then from there, you know what you need to automate. Okay, so you're, you're writing down the day-to-day -day on this PAL, I guess, uh, by paper or digitally. Uh, at what point do you know, or does it pop out what you can and can't automate? Good question. And that's the, the final step is what you need to do is you actually, once you have that step-by-step, -step, then what you want to do is you want to go into the tools and the features of it and find out if it can handle all those different pieces that you need and whether or not you need to build something custom to make it happen or if it's easier to move to a different tool. Right. Do you have a methodology that you like to use here? Yeah. So what you do is, is you take that and you want to write it down and you can put it in a spreadsheet. So this is a really actionable piece. And you put, I need to be able to do this, 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 and this, right? I need to be able to connect the webinar to the database. And then I need to be able to define whether they attended or not, and then send them down a path of automated follow-up and then all the different pieces around actually making a sale from that. And then you put those all in one column and then you put the name of the automation tool in another column right next to it. And then you can go through and check off, can this do this? Yes or no. And now you know if the tool you're using can handle it or if you need to look into custom work or another tool. So the idea here is that you are going to take that personal activity log that you found out what you're spending your time on. Then you take that process creator worksheet that you've created to get the step-by-step -step process that you're doing repetitively. And you're identifying, of course, here, you're focusing on the ones 
that are either very expensive and taking up a lot of your time or have the opportunity to generate you a lot more revenue. Those are the ones you want to focus on. Remember, that's the end result that you're after. And then you go through the process of making sure that the tools you're using can actually handle what you want to do. And do you guys have any particular framework that you use to evaluate the tools in the stack? So here's what I look for in automation tools. I want the tool that either does the most right out of the box for me and has the capability to hook things into it because I want to do one really important thing with any tool I'm using. I want to put my data about what I'm automating in one place, especially for marketing, because I want to see how effective that is in getting me to my end goal of ultimately more sales, right? And that's super, super important because I see it all the time. Companies that have 60 or 70 different tools in their tech stack, if you actually go through and add them all up, I mean, it's just all these little plugins and add-ons and pieces and now their data is just everywhere and they're using middleware to move data around and you start to lose the ability to track what's going on in a pretty clear way with your data and that makes it so you really start to lose the picture of how effective that is in saving you time or say or making you more money so that's what I look for in a tool and and a tool that that we commonly use and I think is a really valuable one for for a lot of companies out there is a tool called Entreport because it has an open API and allows you to hook pretty much everything in. There's a lot there's a lot of tools out there, but that's one that we commonly use for implementation. Okay. So, how would you approach the situation where you've mapped out the process and you realize the tools that you have are just not strong enough or they don't have enough features to implement the automation you would like? Great question. So the idea is that if we bring it back to the goal that we're after here, which is improving our efficiency, improving the use of our time, the improving our profitability, at the end of the day, what we want to do is make sure that the tool that we're using gives us as much of the data in one spot as is possible and has as few opportunities to break in the process. And I'll give you an example. There was a customer, a SaaS company, they had about 10,000 customers and they were going out marketing. And then as part of their process, they were doing demos and they had one system that managed all the inbound requests for demos. Then they had another to schedule the demo. Then they had two different systems managing follow-up after the demo if they didn't immediately buy. And then inside of their software itself, there was yet another tool managing all the access in addition to the CRM system that they had. So if we look at that, we go, wow, that's a lot of opportunities for the process to break down and a lot of manual importing and exporting to make it work. So the idea with them was to centralize it into one tool that could handle as many of the pieces of the process at the, with that one tool without having to bring in extra tools for the fact that it did a few things. It put all the data in one place, 
so that they knew if they were actually being more efficient and if they were being more profitable because they could track it and create reports. And it reduced the amount of potential error that they faced as a company when it came to the tools talking to each other because we were able to automate the actual connections of that data because it was now in one tool versus manual imports and exports. So the whole goal is to take what you're doing now that you know what you're trying to automate and put as much of the function into one tool as possible. And if that means changing tools, then you change tools. It's as simple as you got your matrix of your tool, you know, what's what you needed to do to get most importantly, your business outcome, right? Cause it's not about the tool. And then you go to a site like, you know, G2 and review the different tools in that space and see if they do it. And then, and then here's the, the very important thing you do, you get on and do a demo with the sales team of that tool and make sure it can actually do the things that you think it can do before you go all in on it. That's the key, right? Because sometimes it's unclear what, what things can actually do. It's a great call. I, I hope I'm not the only one who's been caught out by some, uh, some top-notch marketing material. Yeah, you know, you think the tool is, is, is everything that you want and then you get your hands on it and it's a little bit different to what you expect. But I digress. For an organization that has a lot of sales and marketing automation going on already, and it's just a mess, how would you go about getting this reorganized? Oh boy, we've done this a number of times and there's two steps to it in terms of if you have existing automation. The very first step is to basically document, and this is painstaking, you have to document everything you're doing now and all the tools in your tech stack. And you literally just use a Google sheet or an Excel spreadsheet. I like a Google sheet because you can share it. And now you know what you're automating today. Now you know what tools you're using. You know what capabilities you're already potentially paying for in your tech stack. And then before you change anything, you have to identify what those different pieces are used for in your process, right? Let's talk about what we want our future state to look like. What is an ideal automation situation? And if you have automation already, you probably have an ideal view of what your automation should look like. Somebody on your team does, I guarantee it. They know what they really wanted that stuff to do, even if it's not doing it all today. And you just take that tool, diagrams.net, that free tool, and you start mapping out how the flow should work for the process that is in that system of the business. And now you have your, your ideal state. And then we go back to the idea of that matrix, right? Of what do we need our automation tools to be able to do to actually accomplish this? Right. And for some organizations implementing new processes, how do you make sure that users are continuing to use the new process? Like how do you promote adoption within the organization? If you've done it right, ideally you've taken away a lot of the need for people to actually do something and you use the automatic light switch theory, which is don't make a process that is more efficient, but requires people to do something different and make a behavioral change. Make the behavioral change something that they don't have to think about, just like an automatic light switch. So that's one aspect. But the reality is you're going to have pieces that people have to actually do, right? Task-oriented things that automation isn't handling because a human should step in and do it. 
And so that's where you try and make it really hard for people to fail. You make it hard to fail by creating tasks and lists that are automatically generated, get delivered to people. Let me give you an example. You have a process, you're doing some marketing, you get a lead through a form. And then the next step in the process is you want to send that person a personal video and, and thank them for signing up for a demo. There's two approaches. One is you just hope that someone on your team goes in and checks to see if new leads have come in. The other is the fail safe where you're trying to make it harder for them to fail. You put in an automatic task that gets created when that new lead comes in that sends a notification to the person using a tool like Bonjoro to make it easy for that person on your team to record a video and they have a list of videos that they need to record. It's automatically generated. They have all the details of that new contact's information right there in front of them. So they don't have to then go log in and take extra time to find that information because you've merged it into the task. And then they send the video and that automatically, when it's sent, closes out the task. And now you have the data to know if that new process that you've just put in place is helping you move you towards your goal of closing more people into customers. And when it comes to implementation, are there any particular issues or mistakes that you see happen quite often that people should look out for? So the most common pitfall is one single thing. Everybody does a great job of documenting exactly what it should look like. And then they realize that they forgot something and they need to add it in but they've already started building the automation and they don't stop building. They try and communicate that new piece of it without adding it to the blueprint, if you will, the diagram of what exactly the step-by-step -step is supposed to happen. And then trying to add in different pieces without adding it to the blueprint. So you have to just hold yourself to an incredibly high standard of adding any new thing to your blueprint, your diagram, your step-by-step -step of what this thing should do for you and all the different conditions. Because then when you go to see how does this thing, how, can we break it? Is it ready to go out to the public and to our customers? If you've not added things to the blueprint, you don't know that you're supposed to be checking all those different pieces. Mm. Actually, speaking of the pieces, is there a particular naming protocol that you like to use that you can recommend? Yeah, yeah, there is. The way that we think about it, we take it and we think about what system or function is this automation a part of? So, for example, we have an automation that we commonly uh, deploy for customers called Never Lose a Lead Process, and it's focused around SaaS and B2B customers who are generating leads and then doing some kind of follow-up presentation or demo. And so there's a lot of components. There's messages, there's pages, there are webhooks involved depending on the complexity of the systems. And so when we go into a system like Entreport or like HubSpot or you know, any of these systems that use to actually manage the automation, what you do is at the front of that process, you put never lose a lead. And then we use colons, you can use dashes, whatever it is for you, but you just pick something consistent. And then you say, okay, this is, the, this is an email. So you type the communication type, or this is a campaign, whatever that function is inside of the system after the actual like function of what you're trying to build. And then you actually put what it does. And if it's an email, you could just put the name of the email so that it gives you an idea of the subject and, and purpose of it. 
And so the key there is to put the name of the system. That way you can go and filter. And all these systems are a little different, but you can filter for all the pieces that go into making that a reality. So if you ever need to edit them, it's easy to find them. And then you put those names in that process map so that you know what corresponds to what. And it has to be right. Spaces, everything. Because then when you go to search for it in the system, you know, you're not going to find it otherwise, or you're going to struggle. I choose that particular order for the reason that, that it allows you when you're literally searching in these tools to make sure that you're looking at something that's right in that process versus accidentally looking at email. And then if there's a function that's similarly named, you don't confuse it and click it into the spot in the process. Oh, sounds, it's definitely easy to do uh, if you're tired at the end of a long day, I would say. But zooming out a little bit, when it comes to sales and marketing automation generally, what are some trends that you see coming just around the corner? I think it's going to just become easier and easier to automate things, all right? The other thing that I think we're going to see that's maybe a little further out trend is the ability for that tool to give you feedback on how effective your automation is. So if you can say, here's our goal, how are we doing? And for the tool, because it's oftentimes used amongst many other industries to be able to say, hey, in an AI fashion, this might improve your automation. Yeah, definitely. can see that happening with Google Analytics, for example. Uh, I think with the AI on the right-hand side there with the insights. Just on the automations generally, again, curious to know how are you handling the mass of automation and keeping it organized? Good question. So... What I do and the way we handle things is we have a very specific process is with the actual blueprints and the automations that are in place, we're really trying to be strict on naming them so we know what they do. So if I, and we think about the naming in this way, if I look at it in a year, will I know what's in that blueprint and what the point of it is? So I always put a headline and a description inside of the blueprint so I know what it's supposed to do so it can quickly refresh me. And then I put those. Every client that we work with, and somebody can do this internally as a team, I have a folder called process maps for that client. And that's someone that an internal team can do where I store all the process maps. So I know where to go look for process maps. And I keep the resources that hook up to the process maps, like content um, and different uh, images and media. I keep that in a separate folder called resources. Those can be a little more distributed, but for the automations themselves, they go in maps. And then the other thing, and this was learned the hard way, is I break automations down into smaller maps for the function of what they're doing because as soon as they get to where I have to scroll two or three times to the side of a screen on like a 15-inch you know, laptop computer, the, there's a good chance that it's just going to be harder to remember what it does and look back at it in the past and, and manage it. So as soon as we're past a scroll or two, I'm making a new map because processes most of the time for most companies, don't need to be that big. And if they're that big, they need to be thought about a little harder and broken down into smaller chunks that can be managed. Yeah, perfect. Very organized. Sam, thank you so much for all the practical information that you shared with us today. For people listening who want to get in touch and find out more, how should they connect with you? So the best way to connect is really easy. Just go to mobilepocketoffice.com. There's a big button there to book a call and I'll be on that call. That's with me. And 
then you can also reach me at my email if you'd like, sam at mobilepocketoffice.com if you want to go even more direct. And then what we'll do is we'll put the resources that we talked about that can help people actually dive in and do this process on a link, mobilepocketoffice.com forward slash automated. Thanks, Sam. Thank you.